Live from the BYU Radio Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. In the early 1940s, Richard Rogers was trying to find someone to turn Green Grow the Lilacs, a novel, into a musical. He asked around, he asked Lawrence Hart, who had created a Connecticut Yankee and Babes in, Arm with, in Arms with, but everyone said no. Who could he get? As fate would have it, across town, Oscar Hammerstein II was also trying to get someone to co-write a musical version of Green Grow the Lilacs. He'd asked Jerome Kern since they'd written Showboat together. That turned out okay. But Jerome wasn't interested. He kept asking around. Well, as you know, the rest is history. Richard Rogers, Oscar Hammerstein connected, and the greatest theater collaboration of the 20th century formed. They ushered in the golden age, as it's called, of musical theater with Carousel, South Pacific, The King and I, and The Sound of Music. Oh, and their Green Grow the Lilacs project, they called that Oklahoma. Together, they net netted 34 Tony Awards, 15 Academy Awards, two Grammy Awards, and the Pulitzer Prize. Because of their outstanding contributions to the city of New York, they were honored with the Gold Medal Award, even got their faces put on stamps by the U.S. Postal Services. Now for the next hour, nothing but Rogers and Hammerstein. Joining me in the studio is baritone Christopher Holmes. He's ready to sing us through some of the greatest works of this songwriting duo. He's not only an excellent baritone, but the executive director of the Utah Lyric Opera. We'll talk about that later, but first... Let's hear some music it's from the very first collaboration from Oklahoma, the Surrey with the fringe on top. When I take you out tonight with me, honey, here's the way it's gonna be. You will sit behind a team of snow white horses. In the slickest gig you ever see. Chicks and ducks and geese spread a scurry when I take you out in the surrey. When I take you out in the surrey with the fringe on top. Watch that fringe and see how it flutters When I drive them high-stepping strutters Nosey pokes will peek through the shutters And their eyes will pop The wheels are yellow, the upholstery's brown The dashboard's genuine leather With eyes and glass curtains he can roll right down In case there's a change in the weather Two bright side lights winkin' and blinkin' Ain't no finer rig I'm a-thinkin' You can keep your rig if you're thinkin' That I'd care to swap For that shiny little surrey With a fringe on the top I would say the fringe was made of silk Wouldn't have no other kind but silk It has really got a team of snow white horses One's like snow The other's more like milk All the world will fly in a flurry When I take you out in the surrey with the fringe on top. When we hit that road hell for leather, cats and dogs will dance in the heather, birds and frogs will sing all together, and the toads will hop. The wind will whistle as we rattle along, the cows will moo in the clover, the river will ripple out a whispered song and whisper it over and over. Don't you wish you'd go on forever? Don't you wish you'd go on forever? Don't you wish you'd go on forever and it never stop? In that shiny little surrey with the fringe on the top. I 
can see the stars getting blurry when we ride back home in the Surrey, riding slowly home in the Surrey with the fringe on top. I can feel the day getting older, feel a sleepy head near my shoulder, Nodding, drooping, close to my shoulder till it falls. Kerplough, the sun is swimming on the rim of a hill. The moon is taking a header. And just as I'm thinking all the earth is still, a lark will wake up in the murder. Hush, you bird, my baby's a-sleepin', maybe got a dream worth a-keepin'. Woe, you team, and just keep a-creepin' at a slow clip-clop. Don't you hurry with the surrey, with the fringe on the The Surrey with the Fringe on Top, performed live by Christopher Holmes. This is an all Rogers and Hammerstein edition of Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry, and that our accompanist today is Larry G. on his lucky 13th appearance here on Highway 89. Christopher Holmes, uh, our guest here, thank you for being here. I, I do want to say I once was in Tulsa, happened to be going through Tulsa when there was a production of Oklahoma, and they said, you got to see this one. So we went. It was an all-real livestock production <laughs> of Oklahoma. Every horse was real. Every cow was out in the meadow and everything. Wow. <laughs> and there were cast members. Uh, they were listed as scoopers. <laughs> Not anyway, super scoopers. I'm enjoying this performance so much more. Thank you for being here. Oh, great to be back. Now, you do sing opera. You direct uh, an opera company, but yeah. you're singing musical theater. Why? Well, you know, uh, musical theater's always had a special place in my heart. Uh, it's kind of how I got started in music as a teenager, and so it's kind of fun to go back to it. Well, maybe that's how it starts for anyone in junior high or high school. Not many of those schools put on operas. Right, yeah, I think that's a that's the case for for a lot of youth in the United States anyway. Um, you know, the music's so accessible, and it's in English for one. You know, that that helps, and uh, um, you know, the tessitura and, and certain de- it's not as demanding in certain ways as 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 the standard opera repertoire. And so, I think it's a good place to kind of learn good music, but at the same time have a chance to try some classical technique. You know, it requires some legato singing and mm. things that. So, it's, I think it's a good bridge. So with all the different range of music you do, do you find something especially singable about Richard Rogers' music? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of their contemporaries, I think, captured that as well. But um, yeah, it, it, it's, um, you know, I, I, I would feel very comfortable doing a recital with opera and, and this Rogers and Hammerstein stuff side by side. It's not going to disrupt what's going on vocally. So how did voice teachers deal with that growing up if you'd show up with an aria or with, you know, Surrey with the fringe on top? Yeah, most of them would, uh, you know, because this music calls for more of a classical technique than maybe what musical theater would ask for in, in productions today, you know, it was it was useful. Um, but, you know, they, they'd often point out that um, there was a different style and, and uh, more specifically that... that the words were really important in musical theater, in musical theater, and and so they teach you kind of how to go against your technique a little bit, but without messing yourself up too much. <laughs> yeah, but it seems like that would be interesting. Where you've got to be a character too. One of the ways people do their character is changing their voice, which might affect your production. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I tend to try and go things from from more of a psychological standpoint, and and hopefully that bears bears out in, in, in the character. But, you know, yeah, depending on the character, sometimes you do have to kind of have overt changes there. And, uh, you know, as a classical singer, you just have to sometimes be careful not to get too carried away, depending on what role you're doing and what the demands are in the music. So what do you um, think What do you think of, about these songs? Uh, do they feel dated? Are they starting to feel dated after, really, 60 years, <laughs> going on 70 years? Or, or, or are they timeless? 
Uh, to me, they're timeless. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we want to hear another one of these. Uh, we'll let you go ahead and get set up for this. But uh, one thing Rogers and Hammerstein always managed to do was work in a few good love songs. <laughs> Even that Surrey with the Fringe on the top, that's kind of what that's about, the beginning of the courting. Uh, this is from Anna and the King of Siam, The King and I, the story of the actual Anna Leon Owens, governess to the children of the King of Siam in the early 1860s. This came to Broadway in 1951. And if it wasn't for this show, lots of people wouldn't have found out about Yule Brenner and everything else he did, <laughs> all the way from Moses, Moses, to you name it, the westerns he was in, all the rest. This is what Lunta and Tuptim sing as they talk about escaping from the king. I have dreamed from the king and I. Christopher Holmes singing I Have Dreamed from Rodgers and Hammerstein's musical The King and I. I'm Stephen Cap Perry, and you're hearing this live on BYU Radio. Christopher Holmes has sung more than 35 operatic roles with companies such as Austin Lyric Opera, Central City Opera, Eugene Opera, Opera Idaho, Phoenix Opera, San Antonio Opera, and Utah Festival Opera. And 
I read that you got to play a character in Showboat for Utah Festival Opera. What was that like being in the granddaddy of all musicals? Oh, it was fantastic. In fact, uh, I'd done the duet uh, Make Believe, you know, as a teenager. And so to kind of come back later in life when I maybe learned a few more things about singing <laughs> and performing, was, yeah, it was, it was one of the, definitely one of the highlights of my performing now, I read that you mentioned somewhere that in your early singing, you had good experience of making up lyrics on the spot when you <laughs> forgot the actual one. Is is this a thing that has been overcome, or is this a, a, a thing that all singers have to deal with? Well, you never know what's going to happen in any given moment. Uh, but, I, but yeah, um, my, my first voice teacher... Uh, because I was a warm-blooded male that was willing to sing, uh, often kind of threw things at my way, kind of last minute to accommodate some, you know, female singers so they could have some ensemble opportunities, and so I, I, I had to digest a lot of music quickly, and so, <laughs> so that, that's what you're referring to there. But uh, but yeah, yeah, you know, even uh, even foreign languages, you know. You think, oh, you know, people won't understand, but you always know that there's that Russian that's sitting in the back there that that's, knows the words. So you, you've got to be ready. Inevitably, <laughs> it will be someone's favorite piece that you just slaughtered. That, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask about uh, in Broadway musicals. There's usually we, we think of that as being a singer and a dancer, and the stereotype of opera singers is, and then you come out and you plant your feet and you <laughs> sing the song. And then you die. Or you <laughs> right, sing the song. And then you have the sword fight. But that's not completely true. There's there are a lot of roles that that do have a lot of movement. And is that something that's increasing? Are people being asked more to to do more than just the singing these days? Absolutely. I I, I don't think you can get away with with that kind of older mentality. Um, if you've got a great voice, that can only get you some so far anymore. Uh, you know, especially with the invention of Met HD and and venues like that. I mean, even even in you know theater without. With, be, with when it's not even being filmed, uh, mm. people seem to expect that now. It's part of the age of television, I think. Well, it used to be the court de ballet would come on and they would sort of fill up time with dancing. But, <laughs> uh, but nowadays, I've seen productions where the guys, it looks like they're wearing actual armor, not plastic molded <laughs> armor. And and you see Valkyries climbing up in, high into the sky, hanging on to swings and whatever. And I'm just amazed that they can still do what they have to do vocally. If you're an opera singer... What do you have to do to keep your voice? I guess what I'm asking is, if you just decided, I'm going to take a few weeks off, how long would it take before you would come back and think, oh, man, I've gone down and I've got to really work to catch up where I was? You know, I've never done that, so <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's treacherous ground. I, I don't think anyone would attempt that unless, you know, they're purposely going on kind of a doctor's order of vocal rest to, uh -huh. to overcome something, but... Okay, yeah. well, maybe we'll, hopefully we'll never know the answer That's to, right, to yeah. that question. Uh, you have some upcoming roles. Uh, Jesus and St. John's Passion, that's with the Salt Lake Choral Artists. Right. Excellent, excellent group in Salt Lake City. And uh, Renato mm -hmm. in the Masked Ball with Miami Lyric Opera. Yeah. What is that like to go and, and just show up for a production? You've learned the music, but you show up, and how much time do you get to adapt to whatever they, they want to do, the director wants to do? Th three weeks is is pretty typical anymore, at, at least in regional houses. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, of course, at first you're a little bit nervous because you don't know the people you're going to work with. But you know, by and large, the, the people in this business are, you know, you know great, humble individuals, and uh, you get to be family without with about within the first 24 hours. I would say that's actually pretty <laughs> encouraging to hear because <laughs> opera is the. It, I think it's one of those arts where we picture the people being really on a pedestal sometimes sure. literally they're singing on a pedestal <laughs> yeah. and and uh, the the stereotype is hard to work with so i'm really encouraged to hear that <laughs> the ones i've met are all just working really hard yeah i think sound yeah good. i think most people are happy to have a job period and and uh, and <laughs> so they're easy to work with <laughs> we're going to do something that i'm very excited about we're going to feature two songs that are going to be from a rogers and hammerstein musical that i kind of have to say was a flop it doesn't mean that the, the music wasn't good, but it opened and it closed all within a year, which just didn't happen with their work. Yeah. And I was going to Google these or, and, and look on YouTube to hear performances, and I thought, you know what? I want to hear these for the first time tonight. <laughs> I read a little about The show is called Allegro. It was their third show after a huge success of Oklahoma, after Carousel. How come you know these songs 
Well, uh, honestly, uh, Bryn Terfel came out with a CD about 15 years ago, I think, and, and, and he featured, I, th I think it was an all Rogers and Hammerstein CD, and, th and that's how I got to know these, and thought, well, these are gems, you know, these, I, these need to be sung. I am yeah. really excited to hear some new Rogers and Hammerstein, because <laughs> it's been so many years, how, you know, how would you, how would you hear something you never heard before? Right. That's what we're going to do tonight. Uh, as I understand it, the story is about uh, the idea of an ordinary man dealing with the problems of modern life. You know, this was 1947, so yeah. we're, we're even that much further into modern life. I'm really interested to, to, to hear about the show. Uh, I, one of the reasons I heard it flopped is because people were expecting sets and there were none. Right, yeah, it was very minimalist from what, what I understand. Yeah, that yeah. was not the thing to do in 1947. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about these two songs. There's So Far and a, a Fellow Needs a Girl. Tell us the situation. Yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of doing them out of order um, for, for the way the show goes. Um, so the second one, A Fellow Needs a Girl, um, kind of the main character is, is Joe Taylor. And he's, we don't see him on the stage actually until he's growing up and going to college. So... Um, he, he's, he's leaving to college and he's leaving his hometown girlfriend behind and his parents sing the song wondering, is Joe going to get married to Jenny? Uh, what, what's going to happen here? So, mm. so, that, so that's that song. And then the second one um, um, so far is later on uh, when Joe's been in college for a little bit, um, Jenny, you know, his girlfriend back home, her father is kind of disenchanted that he's taking so long, he's staying in school so long be before going out and, and earning a living. And so he... No <laughs> parents have ever thought this. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> Not in this day and age. But, um, but uh, so... Um, anyway, so he encourages her to, to maybe try out some new boyfriends, and and she when she writes to him at college, she she doesn't hide those romances. Finally, he's fed up, and he says, "Well, I'm going to go out on a double date then." And he does that, and and this first girl, I think her name's Beulah, um, uh, she sings this song to him. All right, so if we're going to hear two songs from the musical Allegro, Rogers and Hammerstein, opened and closed in 1947. First, so far, and then a fellow needs a girl. No keepsakes have we of days that are gone, no fun recollections to look back song that we love, no scene to recall, we have no traditions at all. We have nothing to remember so far, so far, so far we haven't walked by night and shared the light of a star. So far your heart has never flooded so near, so near, that my own heart alone could hear it. We haven't gone beyond the very Just begun to know how lucky we are. So we have nothing to remember so far, so far. But now I'm face to face with you, and now at last we met, and now we can look forward to. Thank <laughs> you. 
We've just begun to know how lucky we are. So we have nothing to remember so far. So to face with you and now at last we've met and now we can look forward to the things we'll It's an all Rogers and Hammerstein hour here on BYU Radio. We've just heard So Far and A Fellow Needs a Girl from Allegro. Our guests today are baritone Christopher Holmes and pianist Larry G. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. And uh, Christopher, you are the executive director right now of the Utah Lyric Opera. First, how long has the, 
the organization been around, and then when did you become part of this? Yeah, uh, I was founded in 1996, um, and I became director uh, working on five years ago. So running a local opera company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that just seems like something that doesn't just appear out of nowhere. And, and, and getting it started, what kind of support have you had from the community? Well, um, you, know, you know, I have to give a lot of credit, credit to my predecessors that, you know, did a lot of work uh, to get things running. Um, but, you know, uh, opera is a little bit of a hard sell in, in, in Utah Valley. And um, I, I think, you know, we've, we've had good audiences and good support um, thus far. Um, and it, I just, it hasn't become quite a tradition, I think, the way other things have. And uh, my belief is that it's just a matter of time and... and It'll be kind of a I have heard about name, some so. good successes at the Covey Center, one of the local yeah. theaters, that you had good success packing people in there. For what productions have you done there? Yeah, our, our focus since I've been director has been grand opera, and uh, so we uh, started with Madama Butterfly, mm-hmm. um, uh, and then La Traviata, and then last year was was uh, La Boheme. So just have to get people in the habit of not driving all the way to Salt Lake City to see yeah. their opera. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the idea. You know, um, they do great things up there, but um, I think you know I think there's room on the calendar to squeeze one or two productions down here to yeah save some people save people some gas. <laughs> and also, you have some annual events like the Messiah Singing. When do you do that? Yeah, um, well, we've done that a couple different times. Uh, um, we've done it around Christmas time, but last couple of years we've kind of shifted uh, to, to Easter time. To, mm. Do do sections from the the Easter section of Messiah to give make it a little different. So I assuming then you have soloists from the company and right. then the audience becomes the chorus. Yep, yep. <laughs> there is something so exciting about that. I've I've been to only one of those, but I took my trusty old high school copy of the score. Man, that was fun to sing along with the orchestra and have the soloists there. Oh, it's a great time. No one's judging. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> How is it to keep a group like that together? Does everybody follow the conductor, or is the whole audience buried in their scores and they can't? You know, they've done pretty well, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's some trickier numbers in there that uh, the conductor really has to, to work hard, but in general, it's, it's gone well. Well, tell me about uh, South Pacific. Did you ever get to do this show? You know, I never did. Um, uh, hopefully, it's something I'll be able to do. Um, you know, Emil de Beck is a, uh, isn't a young man, so I, th- I think there's some time. You for can me work there. your way <laughs> <Yes>. into that. <laughs> that is such a great part too, and, and great music. We're going to hear two pieces now from South Pacific. First, we're going to hear "Younger Than Springtime." This is Lieutenant Cable with Liat, who's his love, and then uh, we talked about Emil de Beck as he's falling in love with Ensign Nellie Forbush all the way from Little Rock, Arkansas. And he's a, he's a French plantation owner, very different backgrounds, some enchanted evening. And this was the singus, single biggest popular hit from any Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. The list of people who wanted to race to record these songs, just amazing. Mm-hmm. And you're, it's a who's who if you read through the list. So first, Younger Than Springtime and Some Enchanted Evening. your hand and my arms grow strong like a pair of birds that burst with song my eyes look down at your lovely face and I hold the springtime are you softer than starlight are you warmer than winds of June are the gentle lips you gave me gayer than laughter are you sweeter than music are you Angel and lover, heaven and earth are you 
baritone Christopher Holmes singing music of Rogers and Hammerstein, Younger Than Springtime, and Some Enchanted Evening, both from South Pacific. South Pacific, once that opened in 1949, ran for five solid years. This is live in the moment music making on BYU Radio. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Christopher Holmes has sung with the Utah Symphony and Opera, Ballet West, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, among other performance ensembles. Christopher, I wonder if you'd tell us about your routine. I think lots of people think, boy, it'd be great to sing, but I'd be terrified. And <laughs> sometimes musicians have either rituals or just things that are that are, are nice to do, or some people just are tradition-bound. They will do these things. What's it like for you? You know, um, I try to take one day at a time. I, You know, most important is that you do your daily training. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you keep your uh, the muscles of the voice doing what they need to do. And uh, if I do that, then uh, on a consistent basis, I can generally have confidence, of course. Uh, singer, singers were humans, and, uh, and you never know what's going to happen. But uh, it, by and large, um, you know, your technique can kind of carry you through, and you've got little flubs here and there, and that's kind of the beauty and the excitement of live performance. So you don't have any things like, oh, I've got to have an apple two hours before, or... or... No, I, on performance days, I try to, to relax as much so I can keep my energy for, for the performance. Uh, uh, you know, not not try to eat lightly a little bit. Uh, other than that, just try to act like a normal human being, that's, <laughs> but understand that you've got a big job to do that night. A normal human being with a heroic <laughs> task to do every evening <laughs> right, at right. 7 p.m. Um, I wonder if you have some favorite roles or favorite productions. Uh, uh, well, uh, you mentioned The Showboat, of course. That yeah, was, that was yeah. just a kick to be able to do you know, musical theater with a full orchestra and... and uh, uh, with great, 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 great cast, um, you know. Recently, I got to sing Don Giovanni in Italy, and and th- that was a thrill. You know, here wow. you can kind of go. Well, if I flub a word here and there, no one will <laughs> notice. But there, you know, people will notice. So that that was that was a good experience. <laughs> and how about a dream role? One that you think, oh man, if they would just call me to do this one. Do you have one of those in the way in the wings? Yeah, well, actually, uh, the, the one I'm doing uh, up here with Miami Lyric Opera has been a dream role. Um, I'm excited to do that. Anything Verdi, um, I love Verdi these days and hope to do more and more of, of him. So Nice. Yeah. This next piece we're going to hear is the soliloquy from Carousel. Uh, this uh, was in uh, 1945. In fact, John Raitt originated the, the role. Uh, you may not know this. He's the the papa of singer and blues guitarist Bonnie Raitt. But soliloquy, it goes about seven minutes. It's kind of an, an aria in itself with speaking and singing. Frank Sinatra was so desperate to record this and be one of the first right after it came out, and they couldn't fit it on a record because it's seven minutes. And so what they did is they, they decided, well, we'll just have everybody turn it over halfway through. And so you can get Frank Sinatra singing this on two sides of a little seven-inch vinyl. That's how the, he wanted to do it so bad. He said, okay, it's the A side and the B side. <laughs> so let's hear now Christopher Holmes performing from Carousel, Soliloquy. I wonder what he'll think of me. I guess he'll call me the old man I guess you think I can lick every other fellow's father well I can I bet that you'll turn out to be the spitting image of his dad but he'll have more common sense than his pudding-headed father ever And I throw a wave when we go in the morning for a swim. His mother can teach him the way to behave, but she won't make a sissy out of him. Not him, not my boy, not Bill. Bill, my boy, Bill, I will see. He's named after me I will My boy Bill He'll be tall and a 
as tough as a tree. Will Bill, like a tree, he'll grow with his head held high and his feet planted firm on the ground. And you won't see nobody dare to try to buzz him or toss him around. No pot-bellied, baggy-eyed bully will buzz him around. I don't give a damn what he does. As long as he does what he likes, he can sit on his tail and work on a rail with a hammer, a hammer, and spikes. He can ferry a boat on a river, or pedal a pack on his back, or work up and down the streets of a town with a whip and a horse and a hack. He can haul a scow along a canal, run a cow around a corral, or maybe bark for a carousel. Of course, it takes talent to do that well. He might be champ of the heavyweights, or a fellow that sells you glue, or president of the United States. That'd be all right, too. Yeah, his mother would like that, but he wouldn't be president unless he wanted to be, and not Bill. My boy Bill, he'll be tall and as tough as a tree. Will Bill, like a tree, he'll grow with his head held high and his feet planted firm on the ground. And you won't see nobody dare to try to buzz him or toss him around. No fat bottom, flabby face, pot belly, baggy and bully boss him around And I'm damned if he'll marry his boss's daughter A skinny lipped virgin with blood like water Who'll give him a peck and call it a kiss And look in his eyes through a lorgnette Say, why am I taking on like this? My kid ain't even been born yet I can see him when he's seventeen or so And starting in to go with a girl I can give him lots of pointers very sound On the way to get round any girl I can tell him Wait a minute. Could it be? What the hell? What if he is a girl? Bill? Oh, Bill. What would I do with her? What could I do for her? A bum with no money. You can have fun with a son. But you gotta be a father to a girl. She mightn't be so bad at that. A kid with ribbons in her hair. A kind of neat and petite little tin type of her mother. What a Peaches and cream is she, my little girl, is half again as bright as girls are meant to be. Dozens of boys pursue her, many a likely lad does what he can. a few pink and white young fellas of two and three but my little girl gets hungry every night 
from Carousel, performed live on BYU Radio. That concludes this All Rogers and Hammerstein edition of Highway 89. Our guests have been baritone Christopher Holmes and Larry G. Uh, Larry, on his 13th time, I think, Larry, we owe you uh, like a baker's dozen of Krispy Kreme, something (laughs) like that, 13 donuts at least. Christopher Holmes is executive director of Utah Lyric Opera. Locally, he sung with Utah Symphony and Opera Ballet West, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Upcoming engagements include the role of Jesus in St. John's Passion with the Salt Lake Choral Artists and Renato in Unbalo in Machera with the Miami Lyric Opera. He's adjunct faculty at Utah Valley University, and you can learn more about his current projects and performances at ChristopherHolmes.org. What a great hour. Thank you for coming, Christopher, and singing for us. Hey, my pleasure. Anytime. We love to hear from you, our listeners. We welcome your comments, your questions. Send them by email to highway89 at byu.edu or look for our Twitter page at HWY89 Live Music. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. The recording engineer is Mark Waite. Our producer is Jackie Tateishi, with help from Joseph Andrews this evening. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening. <laughs>